0: Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC in Southern California. I'm Fatima Gumuo coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center.
1: And I'm Anthony Bettino. It's Wednesday, February 7th. On today's show, LAPD's first Asian police officer, SATs are back at Dartmouth College, and could the way we watch sports be changed forever? All that and more from where we are. But first, let's find out what's going on in the world. Issa, thanks for joining us. So what do you have for us today?
2: So, unfortunately, there will not be a ceasefire in Gaza today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected a Hamas ceasefire counteroffer today.
1: Israel will act in Gaza wherever and whenever is needed in order to make sure that the terror won't raise his head. We are on our way to absolute victory. The victory is in our reach. It's not a matter of years or tens of years. It's a matter
3: of months.
2: That was Netanyahu speaking at a conference in Jerusalem after discussing peace proposals with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The counterproposal by Hamas, mediated by Qatar and Egypt, included demands that Israeli forces would withdraw from the Gaza Strip and release thousands of Palestinian prisoners in exchange for hostages held by Hamas. Nikki Haley lost the Nevada primary to no one. Despite facing no major challengers on the ballot, Nevada voters chose to vote for none of the candidates, instead accounting for more than 60% of the vote. The primary would have been a symbolic victory for Haley, though it would have had no tangible impact as it had no delegates at stake. The caucus in which former President Trump is the only candidate has 26 delegates. AT&T wants to retire its California landlines, sparking outcry from those in rural areas. The Public Utilities Commission has required AT&T to maintain them since 1996 but landline usage has dropped by almost 90%. But rural Californians argue that having a landline is ha- having a landline available is a critical lifeline given their spotty cell service, especially in power outages. The PUC will host public forums in March for AT&T customers to make their case to keep the landlines before they make their final decision. Unless you coordinate with uh, Fire once they get them up in the conference. Earlier this week, firefighters rescued a man from the L.A. River after he jumped in to save his dog. The rescue required a helicopter, which took him to a nearby hospital, and the dog escaped with only minor injuries. The river was swollen from the, his- from the historic storm that brought down 6 to 12 inches of rain and caused nearly 400 mudslides. Three days ago, Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency in eight, countries, in eight counties, but luckily for Angelinos, the forecast is mid to high 60s and sunny for the rest of the week. On to USC. USC is preparing to celebrate the Lunar New Year at the Health Science Campus on Saturday from 8 to 11 p.m. Band Quarry, a K-pop busking band, will ring in the Year of the Dragon with a live performance. Snacks and refreshments will be available. More information is available on the USC event calendar. That was all for today's headlines. Now back to you guys on LAPD's new interim police chief.
0: Los Angeles welcomes a brand new interim police chief. This comes after former police chief Michael Moore stepped down after five years as chief. And now for the first time ever, the chief of police is Asian American. Mayor Bass introduced Chief Dominic Choi at the press conference today at City Hall. He will make history not only as the 58th chief of the LAPD, but also the first Asian-American to hold this title. Choi is, Korean, is a Korean-American Angelino and is even a fellow Trojan. He graduated from USC in the early 90s. Chief Choi has 28 years with the LAPD and for the past three years has served as the assistant chief. Many say this appointment is a major deal for the Asian-American community. In the past, the role of police chief has seen little to no diversity, as the position has mainly been held by white men. Choi thanked the mayor and the commissioners for having faith in him to lead the third largest law enforcement agency in the nation. I'd like to start by first thanking Mayor Bass and the board of police commissioners um, for having the the faith and confidence in me to lead, uh, in my opinion, the greatest, the finest law enforcement agency in the nation. The Interim Chief also shared his priorities. Mayor, my commitment is that I'll serve
1: as a collaborative leader um, and ensure that we move forward, stay on track, and stay focused on increasing public safety.
0: Choi says he also plans to maintain stability as the committee looks for a new Chief of Police. March 1st will mark Chief Choi's first day on the job.
1: Dartmouth College is reinstating the standardized test scores as a requirement for admission starting next year, Isaiah Alwyn has a story.
4: Dartmouth College announced Monday that it will require students to submit standardized test scores for admissions next year. During the COVID pandemic, Dartmouth dropped ACT and SAT score requirements along with other top colleges across the country. But four Dartmouth professors conducted an internal study into standardized test scores of prior applicants and found that the requirement supports disadvantaged students. Lower-income applicants to Dartmouth that didn't submit their test scores harmed their chances, as the admissions office couldn't be confident about their qualifications. Even lower standardized test scores show that disadvantaged students overcame challenging environments. Jerry Lucido, a professor at USC and executive director of the Center for Enrollment Research, Policy, and Practice, commented on the policy change.
5: So it's been a a growing movement even before COVID. COVID made it... um, Uh, almost universal, and now we're seeing some colleges move back um, to their testing policies.
4: Lucido questions the benefits of this policy for low-income students.
5: So when colleges often say we do
6: this for equity purposes, well, it may or may not serve that. Uh, It depends on who they ultimately admit.
4: Harry Fetter, the executive director of FairTest, the National Center for Fair and Open Testing, wasn't shocked by Dartmouth's choice.
6: It's not entirely surprising that Dartmouth would do this. Their admissions folks, I think, went into test optional reluctantly. Dartmouth is a school that where a third of its student population comes from independent schools. It has a certain status it would like to keep in the firmament of the Ivies, I think and it wants to be seen as a selective institution.
4: Federer says standardized scores are only one indicator of an applicant's strength and ability to succeed at a top college.
6: You don't need to show an SAT score to prove that you can do the work at an institution. Lots of admissions offices, other than Dartmouth, have found lots of ways to find talented students who would benefit from the education, who would do well at an institution of that caliber. And now they're just going to be deterred and cut off.
4: After Dartmouth's decision, experts are looking to other colleges to see if they will make the same change for next year's applicants. For Annenberg Media, I'm Isaiah Allman.
0: It's an eye-popping number, $2 billion. That's what California is shelling out to settle a lawsuit that claims it failed to provide equal education to low-income Black and Latina students during the pandemic. Here's Tomo Chien with the details.
3: During the pandemic, roughly one in five California students didn't have sufficient access to their online classes. That's according to a class action lawsuit filed by several families in Los Angeles and Oakland school districts. They also say that the lack of access disproportionately affected low-income Black and Latina students. The suit described low-income students with poor internet access struggling to lock onto their classes, and some siblings even sharing a laptop and having to alternate their classes. Now, the state will settle the suit by agreeing to spend $2 billion to remedy pandemic-related learning loss. That money will go toward programs like small group tutoring and extra classes over school breaks for students who have fallen behind. For Annenberg Media, I'm Tomoki Chin. Another streaming
1: service is expected to enter the viewing market in fall 2024. On Tuesday, Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery announced a joint venture to launch a brand new sports streaming service that has the potential to replace sports cable altogether. Veronica Towers has the story.
5: In a press release, the Walt Disney Company CEO, Bob Iger, said, the launch of this new streaming sports service is a significant moment for Disney and ESPN, a major win for sports fans, and an important step forward for the media business. While streaming and bundle lovers may revel in this news, some, like sociology major Jordan Patton, disagree.
3: I do think that it is in a form of a monopoly that Disney is kind of taking over a lot of big streaming services and a lot of big companies, and I think it's really important for independent companies to shine, especially because there needs to be a more independent and... A diversity of opinions rather than being controlled by one conglomerate, in a sense.
5: Over the years, streaming has become one of cable television's greatest competitors, as cable and broadcast viewership now makes up less than 50% of TV watching. But are they really all that different? Theater major Ryan Jacobson points out the similarities between the two.
2: It seems to me almost like Cable is coming back. It's like being invented in a new way because everything's being bundled together. And then having ads again, like on the services, it's just like commercials. So it kind of seems like it's an eternal loop. I do like streaming services because it's easy to watch at home if they pay the people correctly and are giving them the correct royalties and things like that.
5: Similar to cable, streaming services charge monthly fees. And while the price point for the new service has not been announced, Industry experts expect the cost to be around $40 to $50 a month. Health and human sciences freshman Dream Spivey believes this price is too high.
7: I mean, that's a lot for sports. I mean, if it has like all the sports, uh, you'd have to be kind of like a fanatic because like if you only like one particular sport, you might not want to pay $50 to $60 for one streaming service that only has sports. So I don't
5: know. Each of the companies involved will own one-third of this venture. As of now, the service does not have a name. For Annenberg Media, I am Veronica Towers.
0: So, Anthony, this Sunday is not any ordinary Sunday. It just so happens to be the day of the 58th Super Bowl. Are you excited?
1: Oh, you bet I'm excited. Nothing beats the Super Bowl. Great food, funny commercials, and of course, watching the two best teams in football go at it. Someone else who's excited for the Super Bowl is Annenberg Media Sports Editor Thomas Johnson, who's here with us in the studio now. So, how are you doing today, Thomas?
3: I'm doing pretty well. You know, a little bit tired, but I'm excited for the Super Bowl on Sunday.
0: Nice. So are we. But let's start with the important questions. Uh, 1.5 billion wings are in during the Super Bowl. Um, I know I will be contributing to that number this Sunday. I'm wondering if you will. And if not, do you have any other favorite game foods? Well, I really
3: like to focus on the game. I'm one of those guys who has to sit down. But when I do enjoy food, I'm more of a candy snacking guy. It goes all the way back to when the Seahawks played in the Super Bowl. Richard Sherman would always eat, eat Gushers. Marshawn Lynch would always eat Skittles. And so that's kind of become a tradition in my family.
1: Wow, that was a wild card. Didn't expect that one. You're a Seahawks fan?
3: I am, unfortunately, a Seahawks fan, at least for the past couple of years.
1: It's not too bad of a life to be a Seahawks fan. So the cost for an ad, for a 30-second Super Bowl ad, is about $7 million. And we're looking forward to see those commercials. But what company do you think delivers the best Super Bowl commercial?
3: For some reason, Pepsi comes to mind for me. Like, not even a particular Pepsi commercial comes to mind, just the company Pepsi. I think they always put out a good, funny one at least once every couple years.
0: All right. The really hard-hitting question. If the Chiefs win, is Travis Kelsey going to propose to Taylor Swift?
3: I mean, I hate giving relationship advice, (laughs) but my my man Travis and Taylor, they haven't been dating for very long. I think it would not be smart for Travis to propose on national television after like what, maybe six months of dating? I don't don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be necessarily shocked, I guess I'd say.
1: A hot take. So last year, people seemed to love Brock Purdy, but now it really feels like people are turning on him. Why do you think that is?
3: Last year, he kind of had the underdog story. You know, he was Mr. Irrelevant, came to be a starter in the NFL. And this year, kind of that effect has worn off. And so he's still a great quarterback, but mostly people are saying that it's because of his weapons, not because of the skill he has at the quarterback position.
0: Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes is going into his fourth Super Bowl and possibly his third win. If he leads the Chiefs to victory, is he considered in the GOAT conversation?
3: I think he's definitely considered, but far and away it's still Tom Brady until Patrick Mahomes surpasses the number of Super Bowl wins Tom Brady has, which he certainly has enough time to do so. But until he actually eclipses that, I don't think there's any discussion as to who the GOAT of football is. It is still, and will remain for at least a couple of years, Tom Brady.
1: make a very good point. Definitely still has a few years to really cement himself in that conversation. But what do you think is the biggest storyline going into this weekend?
3: I think it is the quarterback play. You know, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, a first-round draft pick, has won two Super Bowls already. Then you have Brock Purdy, literally Mr. Irrelevant, the last overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And just a very different type of quarterback play. Patrick Mahomes kind of plays hero ball. Brock Purdy is a little bit more of a game manager. I don't want to call him a game manager. He's an NFL quarterback for a reason. Not many people can make the throws that he can. But I think that's the biggest storyline is just the vast difference between the two quarterbacks.
0: Right. I'd agree. Um, Definitely two different stories being told. Um, But lastly, the people are definitely dying to know who is your pick to win the Super Bowl this year.
3: I'm huge on playoff experience when it comes to these type of situations. So I'm going to choose the Chiefs. They are kind of vulnerable this year. They haven't looked as good as they have in the past. I think Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl number three, though. It's just his experience is going to carry him over to the top.
1: I have to agree with you on that one. I do think somehow the Chiefs are going to finally take it home. Are you in agreeing
0: with us? You know, I love my Niners, but I think I'm going to have to agree. I think the Chiefs might take it, too. Um, But, Thomas, thank you so much for speaking with us about the Super Bowl. I think we are all going to be at the edge of our seats this Sunday, and um, yeah, thank you for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: The university partnered up with Livestream Block Bank once again to conduct their monthly blood drive in the village. Arian Coyantes has the story.
7: In less than an hour, students and staff had the opportunity to save a life. Livestream's mobile blood bank made its monthly appearance in the USC village today, the local public were invited to the blood drive that was held from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The university's relationship with Lifestream Blood Bank stemmed from their contribution as the primary blood supplier for Keck Medicine of USC. The mobile blood bank provided easy accessibility for those in the area who didn't have the transportation to travel far. This is Junior Roderick Bala.
3: I think transportation is always a big issue, so bringing it to the students helps encourage them to actually do it rather than um, going off campus and they might not have cars and things like that.
7: Junior Christina Vo had more to comment on students' accessibility to the donation site. Because I think a lot of students would want to donate, but because of transportation problems and all of that, so I think having it on site gives students more opportunity. Vo's around were able to scan the QR code to check in and go through a quick blood donation process. In less than an hour, those who donated were able to contribute to a great cause. Nicole Passini, staff member of the Department of Contracts and Grants, felt the Mobile's location brought more awareness to the local.
0: You know, there's always, after um, major medical events, there's always a a need for more blood. So doing these kinds of drives in places where there are a lot of people, you know, gives just more visibility to the need to give blood, which you can forget about easily, I think, when things aren't bad.
7: The bus's presence gave a public notice, especially to students walking by. Those unaware of the event took time to stop and see. Senior Lily Gilfoyle spoke on the importance of contributions by students.
2: It's really important for people our age because we're healthy and we're young, and so we're able to donate blood consistently, assuming there's no pre-existing conditions. Um, and it's giving back
7: to the community. There's always blood shortages, so it's very important. Lifestream's mobile blood bank can be found at the USC Village for both appointments and walk-ins. They will typically be available on the first Wednesday of every month. For Annenberg Media, I'm Arian Kuliantas.
1: Receiving COVID-19 vaccine shots in both arms may boost immunity, according to new research findings. Jana Savitsky has the report.
5: Alternating the arm you receive the COVID-19 vaccination shot in could strengthen the immunity response. A study published by the Journal of Clinical Investigation last month found that switching arms increases blood antibody levels by up to four times. For people who are immunocompromised or elderly, even a small boost in immunity is significant. Experts said the report has not been corroborated by other research and only surveyed 947 individuals. But the results look promising. Further study will determine the validity of the findings, which may alter all multi-dose vaccinations, including childhood immunizations against COVID. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jana Savitsky.
0: And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Marie-Louise Leone is our executive producer, and Sam Bittman, Issa Johnson, and Jack Waterman are our producers. We had help from Charlotte
1: Comes. Our board operator Sam Bittman. Our live stream manager is Ivy Shen. Our coach is Tina Rubio. Our technical advisor, Sebastian Gruba, and Derek Renfro compose our theme music.
0: Catch us live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Subscribe to From Where We Are on whatever channel you're listening to this right now finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Anthony Botino, And I'm Fatima Agamua from all of us at Annenberg Radio's Wednesday team. Wherever you are, we thank you for joining us this semester for From From Where Where We We Are. Are.